0: happy Mother's Day, all the mothers out there. Um, as, as Mike said, I'm Chris Breton and I'm the Director of Student Ministries, which means uh, I get to hang out with some awesome adults who are on my team and some awesome teenagers sometimes, as we've all realized. Uh, a couple things about me is I like to talk about Jesus and I like to talk about 30 minutes. But Mike said I don't have 30 minutes this morning, uh, so for the next 29 minutes, I'd like to take you guys on a, a journey. Um, and we're going to play a game that's going to be on the screens behind me, and the game is Guess Who? Uh, it was a famous game for me growing up. It might have been for you as well. And, and what I want you to do after I read a famous poem from somebody in near history is I want you to, with a raise of hands, guess who wrote this poem? So here we go. In the darkness, Lord, my God, who am I that you should forsake me? I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer. No one on whom I can cling. No, no one. Alone, where is my faith? So many unanswered questions live within me. Love, the word, it brings nothing. I am told God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. So with a show of hands, is this the great philosopher and rapper of our day, Tupac Shakur? Anyone? No? Okay. All right. Wow. Is it the great atheist of our day, Stephen Hawking? No? one. Okay. Is it the great psalmist and king of Israel, King David? Anyone say that? Okay, all right, a few of us. Or is it the great Mother Teresa on this Mother's Day? We say, okay, well, overwhelming Mother Teresa. Well, all of you are right. It is Mother Teresa. But what's astounding about this is that a woman who is perceived to have this huge faith for the last couple decades or so was actually someone who struggled with great doubt and great fear and this great absence of the presence of God while she was doing his work in the world. What faith she had and was perceived to have, yet she doubted. And I think we're all a lot like Mother Teresa. We show up to church on Sunday morning and we have this, this great faith that's perceived by everybody in this room. But maybe, oh maybe, when we leave the sanctuary, we have this doubt that creeps in and we have these questions that go unanswered. And so I want us to to do something active this morning. I want you to grab a pen out of the back of the pew in front of you, and I want you to write on your bulletin the answer to this question. Is there anything that you doubt about the Christian faith? Is there anything about the Christian faith that you doubt this morning? And as we move through this text, I hope that Jesus would enter this doubt that you have deep in your heart and begin to give you answers according to the truth of who he is. A question of that question that I have is, do we have the faith to question our questions? We're quick to question things about religion in this day and age, but are we quick to question those questions? You see, I think we live in the reality that the questions we come up with in our mind are absolute truths, not worthy of investigation, and so we never question these questions that we have about faith. So what have we done to actively find the answers to these doubts that live so deep in our hearts and are never brought to the surface, as we just saw with Mother Teresa. So the good news is, is we have a cloud of witnesses in 2,000 years of church history and the testimony of the Bible to give us other people who have struggled with the very same things that we've struggled with. And as we just read, as Luke just read on the screens behind us, we're going to move to the Gospel of John and look at this story with Jesus and Thomas. Before we do that, I'm going to read two verses of scripture that comes right after uh, verse 29, the end of the story. And it's verse 30 and 31. And it says that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Elsewhere, John would say that there are so many things that Jesus did that there's not enough books in the world to contain it. That's pretty awesome to me. But these, John says, these are written so that you may believe That Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah to come, the one who has prophesied for many, many years that he is that person, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That by believing you may have life in his name. Meaning that as you believe and you have faith and you put your trust in Jesus, you would experience a life that is different from a life of doubt that you used to live. A lot of people associate this life with joy and peace, and Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and and you experience this newness of life, and that is my desire. But I want to say this, that faith in Jesus doesn't passively happen, it's actively formed. Meaning that along this journey of faith, we can't just stay in the middle ground, Later on, Jesus is going to say, you're either growing in belief or you're growing in disbelief. You can't passively stay where you are and expect to have this large faith. You can't stay where you are and expect to have this large faith because it's actively formed. And so verse 24, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. That's interesting news. What we know to happen before this is that uh, the, The two uh, disciples, Peter and John, they ran to the tomb. Jesus wasn't there. And then Mary appeared to, or excuse me, Jesus appeared to Mary in the garden and revealed himself that he was risen. He rose from the dead. And then what this scripture is referencing is that uh, the disciples were all together in fear of the Jews in an upper room with the doors locked. And Jesus appeared to them and gave them hope in the midst of great fear and said, I am he, I am risen, don't fear. And so Thomas wasn't there. And, and I I find this interesting. I think this speaks to us uh, in this day. And I want to say that if we actively deny Christian community, which I think Thomas did here, why wasn't he with the disciples? Where, what was he doing? What could Thomas have possibly been doing in that, in that time? Where was he? And so if we actively deny Christian community, we might be passively disbelieving the gospel if we actively deny Christian community, we might be passively disbelieving the gospel. I cannot emphasize how important Christian community is when you're wrestling with deep doubt. About a year ago, Katie and I were um, in a season of parenthood that uh, I'm sure many of you know. It's that six-month mark, and you've not slept for six months— and uh, you're tired, and you're wavering, and and each of us had full-time jobs, and we were struggling. I mean, we were struggling to experience this newness of life that Jesus promises, and I kind of had an epiphany moment one night. Some weird things were going on in our house that we really, we just couldn't explain, and um, eventually we realized we were being attacked, by the enemy. And, and what I realized is that we had actively denied Christian community. We hadn't been a part of any community in six months since Zoe uh, was born, and our daily quiet times of the Lord kind of dissipated very slowly but very sneakily. And, and we found our play, our, ourselves in this place of active disbelief of the gospel by the way that we were living. And I said, we got it. We got to get plugged in. We got to fix this. We've got to find some sort of community where we can be poured into, where the truth of the gospel can be spoken with grace and love and mercy into our lives so that we can make it through this season of tough life, which I'm sure we've all gone through. And so we got plugged into Alpha. And our Alpha leaders didn't continue on because they were leading the whole thing. And Danny and Sarah and and we decided if we, have to, if we have to lead Rooted, we'll do it because we need this community. And so we, we led a, another thing and have found really awesome friends that we can do life with and trust them with the deep questions that we are wrestling with about God. And they pour into our lives and they pray for us and they walk alongside of us in this tough life. College students, high school students, don't miss this when you go off to college please find a place of Christian community where you can go to wrestle with your questions. Don't miss this, because it leads to disbelieving the gospel if you don't get around a group of Christians who can speak into your life. So moving on, the disciples say, we have seen the Lord, but Thomas said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place, that word place means to throw. Thomas really, he wants to hit Jesus. I don't know why, but, but that's the word that it, it uses. Unless I throw my finger into the mark of the nails and throw my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas has moved from passive disbelief to concrete active doubt in the resurrection. I will never believe and he, he begins to bargain with God. God, I need to see you if I'm going to believe you. Lord, I really need you to do this for me if I'm going to believe you. Lord, if you're really real, let the Jaguars go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> we bargain with it. never works. It just it leads to more doubt because God doesn't work like that. As we're going to see in the, the next verse, he works in his time. Eight days go by. And the disciples were inside again. And guess who's there? Thomas. He's back in community. He's there. And although the doors were locked, that's, that's good. Underline that if you have your Bible. The doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you, which is a 21st century slang for, Hey guys, how you doing? It's good to see you again. Thomas. <laughs> Thomas. We'll get, we'll get to Thomas. What I want to say is that we... Oh, don't, don't we try to, to put the gospel in a box, and we try to put all these rules around how God can and can't work, work? and uh, what we see here is that the doors were locked. And oftentimes, we lock the doors to our heart. We lock the doors to our family. We lock the doors to our context, and, and we put rules around it. We bargain with God, and we say, God, if, if you're real, then do this. But God isn't hindered by that in our lives. And what we see is that the resurrected Jesus steps in. Or he doesn't really step in. The gospel kind of alludes that he kind of floats through the walls. That's pretty wild. He floats through the walls and, and he enters the same way that he did in this world. He stepped into our circumstances. He stepped in to the mess that Thomas had made in his disbelief. And he enters in with the good news that he is resurrected and that he has done all that he said he was going to do, and that he really is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and he had come to do for Thomas what Thomas could never do for himself, and that's to have faith in Jesus that he is resurrected. And so there's nothing, I want you guys to hear this, there's nothing that we can do that God can't break through in our lives in an amazing way that only Jesus can do it. If he needs to float through a door to get into the, to your heart where you have deep questions, he'll do it because he's good and he loves you and he desires to seek and save the lost and to uh, give a little kick in the butt to his sheep who, who need it. And so here we see Jesus step into Thomas's doubt with the fullness of the gospel. And then he said to Thomas, so he's in and he he immediately goes to Thomas. See my hands? You see, Jesus knew what Thomas was thinking and he knows what we all think. See my hands? Place your hand here in my side. See that I am who I say I am and that I've done all that I promised to do. I am resurrected. And Jesus utters these words. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. If you dig a little bit deeper in the Greek grammar here, you'll see that Jesus says uh, these words, stop becoming unbelieving and get on with believing. In other words, Thomas, you live in this passive life of faith. You're not really making a decision here. Have I given you enough evidence in myself Has the testimony of the disciples and the people who have seen me, has that not been enough? Me, am I enough for you in the flesh, in my resurrected body, for you to just get on with believing? Because you're either going on, you're getting on with believing, or you're becoming unbelief. There's no middle ground with Jesus. And what he's doing for Thomas is, is what he's done for all of us at any moment of our lives. Jesus has stepped in in only a way that Jesus can step in, and he said, what are you doing? Are you enjoying the blessed life? The life that promises joy in the fullness of God by relationship with Jesus? Are you getting on with believing? Or are you living this this passive life, expecting that one day you'll just wake up and be Mother Teresa? Faith is actively formed, and it starts with a decision to be obedient to Jesus's word, to get on with believing. Early on in my faith, I, I worked at a restaurant called Bahama Breeze. Anybody been there? A couple people? Best Cuban sandwich in town? I digress. I, I worked with a man there who, um, whose marriage was a mess, and he was struggling with alcoholism and prescription painkiller use. And he had these big questions, which for some reason he felt safe enough with me to ask about God. And uh, one day we went golfing. And uh, during golfing, we were having um, all these, these conversations about God. And, and I, I think I got kind of frustrated just at one point, and And I, I kind of said what Jesus said, not really knowing it. And I, I said, man, it sounds like you, you believe the gospel, but you just don't want your life to change. You, just, you don't want to live the blessed life. You don't want to live the abundant life that Jesus promises when you become a new creation. What's it going to take for you to just get on with believing? And he said, you know, I, I don't really know what it's going to take, but I know that I like my life the way it is right now. So we finished that round of golf, and um, from what I understand, he went and had some drinks and bar hop for a little while. And the next morning I got a phone call that said he had flipped his vehicle three times and had been, and he, he had been ejected from the, the front windshield of the car and traveled about 80 yards into a pond. Thankfully, this phone call was from him and not the doctor saying that he had passed away. And so he called me based off of our conversation that we had had that day. He said, Chris, I was ejected from my vehicle. I have no scratches on my body. I'm alive. Somehow I didn't get in trouble with the cops. I'm in the hospital saying that I want to get on with believing because there's no reason that I should be alive right now. And the question The question is this. What's it going to take for us to get on with believing? I don't think that that God makes accidents happen in order for us to start to live this blessed life, but I think he uses them in a way that only God can use them to spur us on to full trust in him. I don't use this as a fear story. I hate fear-driven stories. I I don't want to use this story to move you into action. I just I want to move this or use this story to to get you thinking about the doubt that you have and where you're at in your faith. So there's a there's a bulletin insert and it's also on the screens. Um, But this is our discipleship pathway of grace, and I want to with those doubts that you have in your mind. I want to ask you a question: Where are you at along this? Have you got on with believing and and started to be a disciple? Jesus wants you to experience the good life. And it's, if it's in the being of a disciple, being with Jesus, that we experience the good life. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for something bad to happen in order for us to experience this good life. You can make that choice right now. But it, it depends on where you're Are you okay with just passively doing life in the middle way? Jesus' call for us this morning is that we would get on with believing And this pathway is how we do that here at Grace Anglican Church. And our desire is that you would get to that fourth quadrant, to make disciples by sharing your faith and by walking with others along the pathway, helping them trust and follow Jesus in the midst of their doubt. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubt. But how are we answering those questions? Are we investigating the truths of the scripture in order that we might know that Jesus is who he says he is, and that he's promised to do all that he has promised in the scriptures. So how is Jesus calling you to respond? What's your move? What's your next move? There's a lot of life to be lived here in this community. And our desire is that you would begin to be a disciple who makes disciples. And again, for you high school grads and and college grads coming back, don't do the passive disbelief thing don't do it. Make up your mind. Jesus is good. He is who he says he is. And please get plugged into a community who's going to spur you on to good works in Jesus that you've been set aside to do since the beginning of time, to be a disciple and to make disciples. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are who you say you are and that we can have full trust and faith based on the evidence of the scriptures and the testimony of the church for the last 2,000 years, to begin to follow you in a new way, that we would get on with believing as Jesus called Thomas to do, and that we would utter the words that Thomas uttered, my Lord, my God. Lord, help us to have faith Help us to live in active faith because of the goodness of the gospel that You have bought us back from the darkness of sin. I this in Jesus' name, Amen.